for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. I'm going to be Thank teaching you. today out of Acts chapter 9. So if you want to go ahead, or I'm sorry, Acts chapter 8. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, I'll get there in a minute. I want to talk to you about commissioned to declare Christ. Commissioned to declare Christ. We're in a series, have been in a series titled Commission. And essentially what that means, or as I framed it, is that we are a community of believers on a mission to tell a community that may not believe about Jesus. Amen? So this community should exist to glorify Jesus, and then in glorifying Jesus, declare Jesus to the outside community. Man, I can't tell you how important this is, how necessary this is. Did you know in our town, two to three people out of every 10 aren't churched and don't know the Lord? Y'all grab a hold of that. While churches worry about things like population and whether or not somebody's still in their sheep or whatever, when they worry about all these things that churches worry about, there are seven out of every 10 people that don't know Jesus at all. If we would recognize that we've been commissioned to declare Christ, none of us would have a building big enough to contain them. So instead of worrying about what other people are doing, what other churches are doing, what other ministries are doing, we should be concerned about what God has called us as a church to do so that they too might know. Amen? So what has God called us to do? What has he commissioned us to do? I've, I've been very specific about saying the same thing at the intro of each one of these messages so that all of us understand that if we exist as a church, which we do, then we exist for a singular purpose. What is it? Make disciples. In making disciples, we fulfill the two greatest commandments, just so you know. If we've been told to make disciples, we've been commissioned to make disciples, and we have, I'll prove that to you in Scripture in a moment, then showing people our love for God proves our love for God and our obedience and willingness to be obedient to Him. Declaring the gospel to them proves that we love them because even though it's uncomfortable, we determine to be uncomfortable as opposed to them be eternally lost. So we have, within the two greatest commands, a singular purpose, which is to make disciples. Amen. If anybody, any church, any organization that exists to extend, to speak the name of, and to glorify Jesus doesn't, as its primary focus, make disciples, it forgets the reason it exists in the first place. Here's the thing I learned when I was a young man, younger man, about public speaking. What a man says first and what a man says last are the two most important things he'll say. 
What is the first thing Jesus said? First thing Jesus said is he, he went into the into the uh, Jewish church synagogue and said, I am the one, essentially. Rolled up the scroll and walked out. The last thing he said is make disciples. Because he is the one, we should busy ourselves making disciples. This is what the Word of God says. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the last thing Jesus says as he's about to enter into heaven. What he is saying is that we have been called to make disciples, mark disciples, mature disciples, and multiply disciples. We make them, mark them by water baptism, teach them all we know, all that we, he's taught us, which is to say mature them and continue maturing, making, and marking until he comes back because he's with us to the end of the age, which means we have to multiply that which we've already done. Amen? If these two babies right here are going to know Jesus, they're only going to know Jesus if someone cares enough about them to tell them through multiplication about the Jesus that the last generation knew, that this generation knows, so that their generation might know, so that those babies might know. Amen? We have been commanded to make disciples. We have been commissioned to make disciples. This is what we've been told to do. Now, this is a hard thing, or at least we think it is, but it shouldn't be a hard thing because we've not only been commanded to make disciples, we've been empowered to make disciples. Jesus didn't give you an assignment and then not give you the tools necessary to accomplish that assignment. In, Mark, in Acts chapter 1-8, we read this, but you, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. He says, this is what you're supposed to do, and this is the power to do it. Question is, if we've been commanded to do that, does anybody demand, deny that we've been commanded to do it? Does anybody deny that those who have accepted Jesus Christ have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it? Okay, so we've been commanded to do it. We've been empowered to do it. So let me ask you a final question. Why don't we do it? Boy, there's a kick in the teeth, right? You're telling me by not raising your hand that you believe the creator God of the universe, the one who breathed air into your lungs, the one who sustains you, that keeps you, that brings you peace and joy and provision, the one that is stronger than your enemy, stronger than you, more capable, more powerful, more, more everything than your mind could ever imagine, told you to do something, and you think that you shouldn't listen. Does that seem foolish to anybody beside me? It is foolish. We have to set our mind, church, and our heart to make disciples. 
I'm not preaching to you because I got nothing better to do. I had a job before this one, and I was pretty good at it. I tell you what I tell you because I'm absolutely, with every fiber of my being, convinced that it's true. And so I've set aside all that I was to become all that God's told me to be. And what God has primarily told me to be is a maker of disciples. Amen? So we don't do it, but we don't do it. I've heard a bunch of excuses as to why. I've heard people say, I'm not smart enough. I don't have the ability to. I don't have the platform for it. None of those things are necessary. You just have to have availability. I'm going to talk about that in a few moments. I hear people, the strangest thing that I hear people say is this. I can't because of who I was. Boy, that's the only reason why you can. You guys have heard me say that, which happens to be my first point, a commissioned people are capable of declaring the gospel. Why? Because we have a gospel to present. We have a testimony. We have an I am, but God, or I was, but God, I am story. Let me break that down for you, for those of you who may not have heard it before. I was wretched. And we were all wretched before we met Jesus. Specifically, I was wretched. I was evil. I was an, an alcoholic, probably not an alcoholic, but I was a drunkard. I was a womanizer. I was a liar. I was ad a thousand other things to that list, and you'd be exactly right. I deserved the judgment that was coming to me. But God, I had a but God moment where I heard somebody determined to declare the gospel tell me about Jesus. I accepted the lordship of Jesus, and now I am something different than I was. Isn't that good? People say, man, I, I, can't be, I can't be telling people about Jesus because I've only been saved like a couple weeks. You got two weeks of experience. You got two hours of experience. You leave here, trip over somebody on the sidewalk after getting saved, you got two minutes of experience. You have a I was, but God, I am story. And you should declare that story. Amen. Philip was able to tell the eunuch, which is where we're going, about the gospel because he had heard the gospel and accepted it because he belonged to God. Can I encourage you? Put your excuses aside. The fact of the matter is you are not smart enough. You are too weak. You aren't capable. But the God in you is. When there was a Pastor David Peden, he's preached here a couple of times. When he opened his church, I was there the first Sunday that he, he, he opened his church, and he calls me his pastor, which cracks me up a little bit. But um, honestly, it cracks me up a little bit when anybody thinks they're going to call me pastor. I, I don't understand it. There's plenty of smarter other folks. Um, so he, he calls me his pastor. He said, Pastor, I, I don't think I can do it. 
these people are starting to gather in a room. You know, there's about 30 of them. They're talking, and and he's he's sweating. He says, I don't, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I have the ability to do it. And I looked at him, and I said this. You're exactly right. And because you acknowledge that, you can do it. Amen? Commissioned people are capable because commissioned people have a personal relationship with Jesus. For the same reason Philip was capable as you are. Let me read you a text. Four through eight reads like this. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in that city. I want to address something that's not in my notes first. Your persecution is God's plan. That's a sidebar note that some of y'all need. Let me tell you why I thought that. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. There was a persecution in Jerusalem. Christians were being murdered, stoned to death, set on fire, killed every imaginable way, put in prison. And the Christians that were there in Jerusalem scattered out of Jerusalem to the surrounding areas. And that's how Christianity escaped Jerusalem into the other regions around Jerusalem. So what they perceived as persecution ended up being their opportunity to grow the kingdom of God. Don't you're, you, if you think that your persecution is something bad for you, can I tell you, you got a misunderstanding of your situation. Whatever God is doing in your life, whatever heartache you might have, whatever struggle you may be facing, I'm here to tell you that God promises to work it out for your good because you love him and because you are called according to his purpose. Amen? Now, with all that being said, let me get back to this message. He says, so anyway, he went around. He was in Samaria preaching. People were being set free. Signs were being performed. Demons were being cast out. And the whole city was rejoicing, according to verse 8. Let me tell you, commissioned people must be available. Because while all of that's going on, he's enjoying ministry. Can I tell you, when you're serving in a ministry where demons are being cast out, where people are being set free, where people are giving their life to the Lord, where addictions are being broken, when the whole city is for you and rejoicing you, man, that's a good place to be, right? I've been there. And let me tell you, on the Sundays where we see these altars full of people praying with their families or over their families, I go home and I'm all, this is exactly where I want to be. But let me tell you, on a Wednesday night when 12 people show up and I got to preach a message like this whole room was full, I go home and I'm all, oh, that wasn't as much fun as if the room was full. But God called me to it regardless. Amen? But he was in a place where he was enjoying ministry. 
but God told him to do something else. He said, I appreciate that you're kind of the mega church pastor of this community, but I've got something else I need you to do. And so he tells him in verse 25, there's a story in between there that I won't get into, but there's a start in verse 25. So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, that means they were in Samaria and they, they had done all they were called to do, they started back to Jerusalem. And they were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went. He's celebrating all the success, all the glamour of ministry, all the demons being set free, all the healings, the city celebrating and rejoicing with them. He gets done there. He's, well, he's traveling through Samaria continuing to preach the word on his way back to Jerusalem, which in of itself is a miracle because don't you know God had to do a heart change in Philip for that to happen because the Jews didn't like Samaritans. So the other rule is if you're going to be a commissioned people, you better worry less about your bias and more about your calling. Amen? But they were available. He was available. So he's heading back to Jerusalem probably with his entourage to tell about all the good stuff that had happened and all the things that God had done. And God says, hey, you don't need to do that. Instead, I want you to go out into the middle of the desert to meet one person. Come on, man. Are you serious? You know who I am. I'm Philip. I just turned this city upside down. Surely you got a bigger mission for me than one person. But Philip said yes. Why? Because he was available to do whatever God called him to do. If we're going to make disciples, we have to be willing to do whatever God calls us to do. I don't care if it's pretty. I don't care if it's glamorous. I don't care if it's in the shadows. I don't care if your assignment is to clean the toilet. I don't care if you get here early and set up the cones. I don't care what you do. If God has called you to do it, be available to do it. Amen? And so he went for one single person because he was available. I hear a lot of people tell me something along the lines of, man, I wish I knew what my purpose was. Any of y'all ever wonder what your purpose is? I mean, it's, reasonable. it's a reasonable question to ask. Here's the problem with the question. The problem with the question, better watch that. That ain't talking to me crazy. Um, here's the problem with that question. They say, how do I know the purpose of God? And the answer is, have a predetermined yes. Have a predetermined availability. If you'll go back to Isaiah 6 and read it sometime if you get a chance, that's, that's where Isaiah gets called by the Lord to do what he's called to do. And it's an interesting thing, really. He says, I need somebody. God says, I need somebody. And what did Isaiah say? 
here am I, send me. And then God told him what he needed to do. God didn't tell him what he needed him to do, and then he said, okay. Well, there's a life lesson in availability there. If you want to know what God called you to do, be determined to say yes, so that whenever that presents itself, you're already ready for your yes. God, just tell me what you want me to do. I want you to go to Africa. Tell me something else to do. He's not going to tell you something else to do. Begin with availability. Begin with yes. Amen? If we're going to make disciples, we are capable, but we also must be available. On top of being capable, on top of being available, commissioned people must be, ah, what's the word? Prepared. Commissioned people are to be prepared. Here goes. Let me read this to you. I ended up on, so he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot, which means he was a believer, but he was a Jewish believer because he went to the temple to worship. So he hadn't heard of Jesus. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah, which is reasonable because that's what Jewish people read. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join the chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading the reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture, which he was reading was this. And then he talks about the scripture. And then we can assume because then he starts talking about how much he believes in his desire to be baptized, that he accepted Jesus Christ. He was able to be and do what he was able to be and do, that is Philip, because he was prepared beforehand with the message. We need to be prepared beforehand with the message so when people say, how can I possibly understand that? Why don't you explain it to me? The world needs preachers. Amen? And I'm not talking about pulpit preachers. I'm talking about proclaimers. I'm talking about you need people to willingly open up their mouth and declare the gospel message of Jesus. For how will they know unless someone tells them? That's what the Bible says in Romans 10, 14. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? So if you read this backwards, a preacher allows them to hear, hearing allows them to believe, and believing allows them to call upon the name of Jesus, which just so you know is the only name under heaven by which a man is to be saved according to Acts chapter 4. Amen? Be prepared with the message you're expected to give. Well, Pastor Jim, that's great. What's the message? The gospel. We only have one message, the gospel. It's the only, I, I know I'm repetitive. It's the only message that we have. 
worth talking about. For it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation, first to the Jew and then the Greek. Did you hear that? It doesn't say Pastor Jim's persuasive words or the tone in which he speaks or his body posture or any of those things. It says a proclamation of the gospel is the manifest power of God to bring someone to a point of salvation. The gospel is what God uses to provoke people to believe by his spirit. You're all, why is that? I don't know why. That's just what the Bible says. It's a mystery. Ask God in eternity. But I'll tell you that you can't get saved based on my persuasion. There's only one thing going to save you, and that's a declaration of Jesus Christ through the gospel message. So what does that message look like? If you've been with me any amount of time, if you've been here at Launch Point Church any amount of time, you know since the very first Sunday I have given you three verses to memorize so that you can intelligently tell anybody about the gospel that you come into contact with. And here they are. Romans 3.20. I give you this because you know this is a quipping place, right? This is where you come for equipping. So be equipped. Write this down. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They don't need they need they don't know they need a savior until they know why they need a savior. They need a savior because we have all fallen short of God's expectation of us. We walk in rebellion both by birth and by action, and so we fall short of the glory of God and deserve judgment because we fall short. The second verse, if that's the problem, then the second verse is the solution, which is John 3.16. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If my sin problem is my problem, then God fixed that problem by sending me Jesus so that I might, upon declaring him, have eternal life. That's the solution. What's the only thing I need? If I know what the problem is, if I know how to squash that problem, what else do I need to know? I need to know how to secure that promise. And that's in Romans 10, 9, which says, Declare out of your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord while believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you shall be saved. Problem, solution, procurement of the solution. And can I tell you, if you take that and overlay your I was but God I am story, you've got a powerful gospel presentation. I don't care if you've been saved two minutes or 50 years. You know what? I'm a sinner and fell short of the glory of God. I was a drunkard and a womanizer and a liar. But God, through Christ Jesus, showed up in my life upon somebody declaring the gospel to me. And now I am redeemed and set free. See how easy that is? 
God made it easy because he expects you to do it. If 12 men turn the world upside down, do you think Launch Point could turn this city upside down? I do too. I don't think the power of the Spirit is diminished any kind of way just because it's been 2,000 years. The power in the, of the Spirit of God still exists today the same as it existed then. If they were capable, we are capable. Do you think there was something special about Philip? No. There's not special, anything necessarily special about anybody except that God has placed this Holy Spirit in them. And when we are obedient to declare Jesus Christ as Lord, not Savior, Lord, then we shall be saved. What does that mean? What's the difference? Pastor Jim, I need a Savior. Well, that's great. You do need a Savior, but you can't have a Savior until you have a Lord first. You have to be willing to submit yourself completely to the Lordship of God, which means I have to read my Bible and do what it says. I don't get to pick and choose what I'm going to be obedient to. I don't get to decide, oh, I like that, I don't like this. I take a little bit of that. I'll take some of that, but none of that. You don't get to do any of that. If God says this is the way that it is, then this is the way that it is. If you're supposed to bear this fruit, then you're supposed to bear this fruit. If you can only bear fruit by abiding, then you're supposed to abide. That's what lordship is. You give up right and control of your own life. Amen? But there's a blessing in it because as I do that and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I'm essentially saying because I've made Christ Lord and because Jesus Christ was raised and, and is no longer in the grave, I know that I too shall be raised and not see the grave. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. But we have to be willing to tell it. Church. We got to be willing to tell it. I, I'm not frustrated. I guess anytime you say I'm not frustrated, typically you're frustrated. But it is a little frustrating that I know many, several, half, of the people that hear my voice every Sunday receive information but never allow it to become revelation that changes their life. Do you know why I stick so strictly to the Word of God and don't offer a lot of my opinion? Because my opinion has no power. The Word of God has power to change your life and should change your life and should cause you desire to desire having a hand in the process of allowing Jesus Christ to change the life of others around you. And he will if we will just be faithful to make disciples. Amen? Amen. One last thing. A commissioned people are bold but gentle. Paul prayed for boldness in Ephesians. He said, pray that I might have boldness when declaring the gospel. We should be bold. But if you'll look at Philip, you see something else. You see a gentleness. He didn't, say, he didn't run up to him and say, hey, idiot. 
I had to leave this big ministry, come out here, talk to your crazy self. Do you even know what you're reading? And I know that sounds silly, but that's how some of us approach other people and then wonder why they're looking at us like we're crazy. What did he say? He said, do you understand what you're reading? There was a humility, a gentleness in him that allowed that eunuch to give him space, literally. He moved over, said, step up here and explain it to me. And then he explained it to him. And the eunuch gave his life to the Lord. Here's the thing. This is extra biblical, so I saved it to the end. If you'll do some history and some study on history, it's believed that that eunuch, because of where he was from and where he was heading back to, had influence in the king's court. Because he had influence in the king's court, spread Christianity to his whole region. That one person that may have been an inconvenience brought Christianity to that whole side of the earth. You never know who you're talking to or what they're capable of. I can't remember who it was. Maybe Spurgeon was saved in a church with about seven people in it. On a snowy Sunday, he got up, wasn't saved, but wanted to go to church, felt provoked to go to church. So he walked to church in about two foot of snow. Block, two blocks, however far away it was. He gets there, there's six or seven other people there, and the pastor didn't even show up because of the snow. He figured, hey, ain't nobody going to show up today anyway. So one of the elders that was there gets up, didn't know what to do, opens up the Bible and reads a single passage out of Scripture, prays over that passage and dismisses. That one guy willing to be present, to be available, and to be prepared brought Charles Spurgeon to Christ. And how many thousands upon thousands of people has Charles Spurgeon brought to Christ? Amen? We're force multipliers. That's a military term. Meaning what happens in me should happen in 10 other people. And what happens in each of those should happen in 10 other people to make 100. And what happens in those should happen to 10 other people, which makes 1,000. So in three generations of me telling the gospel, we should be looking at 1,000 people who have heard the name of Jesus and the gospel declared over their life. That's what commissioned people do. Amen? Can I encourage you? Accept the commission you've been given. Be the community in here we're called to be so that we can reach the community out there that needs the gospel so badly. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we love you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you love us and have called us according to your purpose. God, I ask that you give us ear to hear what that purpose is. God, recognizing that you have called us to make disciples, I ask that you give us eyes to see the people around us to hear their need, to meet their need, but God, to do so for the sole purpose of telling them about you. I ask that you send your Holy Spirit forward of us this week, that he may till the soil 
So when we drop the seed of the gospel in, it may take root. God, I pray for every person in this room, not only that they make disciples, but that they be the disciples you've called them to be. Please, Lord, let us turn this city upside down, not under our own strength, but because of the love that you have given us through your son, Jesus. We praise you, Lord, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.